Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Rough Cut Retrospective, episode 56, a podcast about uh, movies, television, pop culture, what have you, all of the fun stuff in life. Uh, A special episode today, it's Black Friday today, which means also yesterday, was Thanksgiving, gobble gobble. So happy Thanksgiving to everyone out there. Who celebrates? Uh, shout out the Pilgrims and the Mayflower and all that stuff. Whatever. Whatever. I'm getting off of this. Um, you know, sometimes we talk about movies and television here. Um, but, you know, sometimes we also talk about Christmas movies on Thanksgiving, which is what we are doing today. I'm your host, as always, Carter Sims. And uh, you know what? I'm thankful for a lot of things this Thanksgiving season, but... Two things in particular today would be this podcast, of course, and of course, my trusty co-host, Mr. Jackson McHuron. Hello, sir. Jackson. Jackson? Wait a second. Did Jackson leave me here alone? I made my co-host disappear? Kevin, you're completely helpless. No, Kevin, you're what the French call... Les incompetents. Kevin, I'm going to feed you to my tarantula. Kevin, you are such a disease. There are 15 people in this house, and you're the only one who has to make trouble. Look what you did, you little jerk. I made my co-host disappear. Yes, that's right. Jackson was doing a little traveling home for Thanksgiving this week. Uh, We were a little out of sync, so he was unable to join us uh, this week. But however, we felt we didn't want to deprive you all of an episode of the Rough Cut Retrospective. Our loyal listeners who have supported us for over a year deserve more than that. And selfishly, We didn't want to lose out on the tens of hundreds of cents uh, that we make doing this podcast. So it's really a win-win here for us and you. So I'm here today, potting alone in uncharted waters here. Uh, And I thought, what better way to use this time than to go on a small rant slash review of a movie I checked out this week, uh, much to my chagrin. And I, I can't think of a better gimmicky scenario than the one we are in right now to discuss it. Uh, which we will do right now. It'll be a short episode for you this week. Um, Spend time with your family and go shopping and trample uh, blue-collar workers who are just trying to, you know, get toasters for their families on Black Friday. But other than that, we're going to dive right into it. We're going to skip news and everything about that and everything, but uh, we'll get to some stuff of our usual stuff later down the road. But I'm just going to dive into a segment uh, we like to call, that's just like your opinion, man. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. And today I'm here to talk about a movie uh, that I watched kind of against my will. But I shouldn't say that because um, I chose to watch it uh, with Davey. Shout out Davey, uh, who always seems to make me watch bad movies. Um that's just kind of his thing. It's kind of our thing. It's our shtick that we do. And uh, this one that I'm about to discuss is no exception. And this little film is called Home Sweet Home Alone. If you did not know, 
Uh, this is a remake slash reboot slash sequel. It's something in the Home Alone universe, which is a thing. Uh, it is the sixth Home Alone film, if you can believe that. Um, it's pretty uh, pretty wild that we're still doing this, but uh, if you didn't know, it was released onto Disney Plus uh, during Disney Plus Day, and uh, it's directed by Dan Mazur, who directed uh, Dirty Grandpa, so you know this one is going to be a banger. Um, no. Um, and here's what happens. Here's the, here's the synopsis of the plot. After being left at home by himself for the holidays, get it? Because that's what happens in all of these. Ten-year-old Max Mercer must work to defend his home from a married couple who tries to steal back a valuable heirloom. This film stars uh, Archie Yates, Ellie Kemper, Rob Delaney, Pete Holmes, uh, Eileen B.A. Bay, I can't pronounce that, I'm sorry, Keenan Thompson, Timothy Simons, Chris Parnell, Andrew Daly. Some great talent here in this movie. Great funny people. Um, you know, Archie Yates, you probably recognize from uh, Jojo Rabbit, not the main child from Jojo Rabbit, but the fun glasses-wearing one who like frolics around and is like, Jojo, he's Jojo's best friend. Um, so we love him, Ellie Kemper, Rob Delaney, playing the the burglars slash married couple that I mentioned in the in the opening there. And then all of these comedy players kind of playing little role bits, and they all do a pretty good job, and they're really funny people, and I wish there were more of them in the movie. But also, this film is written by Streeter Seidel and Mikey Day. Uh, if you don't recognize those names, you probably recognize Mikey Day. They both write for SNL. Uh, Mikey Day, of course, being a cast member as well. Um, really funny people. And with all this, this cast and the writers, um, I thought this movie was going to be okay. And it was not. But let me just say how I, I came to watch this movie, first of all. Um, so Davey, who's been on the podcast before and who's mentioned quite often on this podcast, uh, we both went to see The Last Night in Soho. Uh, which was a great movie, which was which was just lovely. And then we come home back to my house because I'm home for the holidays, of course. Come home and we're just hanging out for a little bit. And Davey jokingly says, let's put on Home Sweet Home Alone. And I was like, oh, you're, you're having a laugh. So we're watching some college basketball and not very thrilling games. It's, it's like blowouts everywhere. And so then I should not be here blaming Davey because then I said, all right, put Home Sweet Home Alone on. So we did. And we watched the uh, the hour and a half or so of this. And I stayed up till 1230 for this. And um, I wish I could say that I in enjoyed myself. And I'm going to get to my rant here soon. But I want to put it in perspective here um, in saying that this is the sixth film in this Home Alone franchise. And I've only seen the first two. Uh, I should say I adore the first one. Uh, I think the second one is... It's kind of ludicrous, but, you know, some people like it more than the first. Power to them. Uh, I don't fall in that camp. Uh, however, I think it is some of Donald Trump's finest work in Home Alone 2, uh, and that's not saying much. Um, so does this reboot, remake, sequel, whatever it is, hold up against its predecessors? Um, hell no. Let me dive into the plot here. Um, so the events of this movie unfold as Max and his mom are driving down the street. And look, look at that. Max has to take a dump. Um, so this is our moving motion. This is setting the story in action because Max has a bowel movement. 
So they pull over to an open house, uh, the homeowners of which running the open house are Rob Delaney and Ellie Kemper. And they're in financial trouble and are looking to sell their family home whom they live in with their two children around Christmas time. Dad can't find a job. They're in dire straits. And it's the holidays. And it's very sad. And Max shows up, acts like an entitled little prick, for lack of a better word, apologies, uh, in the house. He insults the parents uh, and insults the home and is kind of just being really arrogant and stupid. And I hate him. And he notices this doll collection that the family has been, that has, that it's been like passed down to them. And then he roasts the dad because he collects dolls. Ooh, a very feminine, but the man has it. That's silly. And then he leaves straight up leaves, takes a dump in their house, takes a dump on their dolls and on their home. And then he leaves. And then it turns out one of these dolls is worth a lot of money. And it's like a misshapen doll that's, that's ugly. And it has like its head upside down. And it turns out it goes for a lot of money on eBay uh, so the dad gets up in the middle of the night to find it after making this discovery to find the doll. And oh, no, it's gone. So they think that Archie Yates, Max, I already forgot his name. They think he took it. And the dad goes over to the house and discovers the family hastily packing to go on a trip to Tokyo for whatever reason. Not sure why. Um, so they leave. And Max is left alone because he fell asleep in a beautiful BMW. Shameless, shameless product plug here. Um, yeah, he's like overwhelmed in the house by his family because they're annoying. As in any Home Alone movie. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to go fall asleep in the garage. Um, so he gets in the car and falls asleep in the BMW. Did not turn the BMW on. There's no asphyxiation in this story. Um, and I hate to say it. I'll get dark. But I wish this kid had died. Anyway. Um, so he's home, left home alone and then the rest kind of unfurls how you think a home alone movie would. Um, but I'm going to start here with the rant and why this movie is just a crock of garbage. Um, first of all, Archie Yates, uh, who plays Max Mercer. And again, as I mentioned, he's the adorable, lovable kid in Jojo Rabbit, who's Jojo's best friend. Um, and in this movie, he is just a dick. He's an absolute dick and he is kind of the supporting character, not even the main character we're focusing on, which immediately we're kind of flipping the Home Alone template on its head with that because usually, you know, we're following Kevin McAllister, who is also, he is also kind of a dick, but it's in like a charming way because like he's being a dick to these burglars who are coming into his house and like, roasting him and like his family also is just unbelievably mean to him and like so he has every right to do so and everything is justified in home alone but in this movie it doesn't work like it just doesn't work at all they the movie unfolds because the kid took the doll right and this kid is spoiled as hell he lives in a mansion the movie completely misunderstands the roles of its central characters and what makes the Home Alone formula so good. And the whole point of the movie is I'm supposed to sympathize with this kid. Like, yeah, these people are going to break into his house and you're supposed to be on the kid's side. Because if you're not, then the movie unfurls because you want the, the, the bandits, the wet bandits in the first one to, to win. But you don't. You want them to lose and you want... Max to defend the house, right? In the Home Alone fashion. But the film 
doesn't work because he's awful. The main character is awful. You hate him. I'm supposed to sympathize with this kid. And he goes to like an example. He goes to a toy drive later in the movie at a church. And it's like, oh, can I have a shopping cart? And you're like, what? This kid is awful. Like he's entitled and he's rich as hell. And he, he does. He literally lives in a mansion. And he is like, oh, let me just take this toy from these kids. And he does. He walks away with a gun, like a little squirt gun. Or I shouldn't even say a squirt gun. It's a big gun. And he walks away with it. And why Why am I supposed to like this kid? It, it's, it's ridiculous. And then on top of that, so the formula should be you have a sympathetic kid and then you have burglars. You have antagonists who you hate, who you root against. Um, so I should say in the first Home Alone, Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern, who play Harry and Marv, are genius because they're bumbling idiots and they're also just jerks and they're assholes and they're villains. They are what villains should be. They rob people's houses on Christmas because they're evil. You don't need a sad, drawn-out backstory for them because that would defeat the drive of the movie. You would feel bad for them if, say, they were robbing the house to get money to pay for their kids' hospital bills. That would not work. You don't want that because then you're sympathizing with the villains in a, let's be honest, a very pratfall sticky movie that's that really just stands up on its own because it's really silly and ridiculous and that would ruin the pain and the anguish that these villains go through in the third act of a home alone movie you would cringe because you're like oh my gosh i love these characters and here's where the movie fundamentally fails on a second level because one it misunderstands its main character which would be max mercer but he's not even really the main character so that's the first that's the first strike and then it creates a tragic backstory for Rob Delaney and Ellie Kemper's parents. Uh, like they're losing their house. The dad can't get a job. They're getting upstaged by their cousins or uncle. I don't really know who they are. Played by Timothy Simons, who comes to Christmas and have bought way more expensive gifts for their kids, for Ellie and Rob's kids. I don't even know their names in this movie. Um, and they feel ashamed. So their only way out of this hell that they're living in is to get this doll back from the kid. So why are we going to feel joy every time they hilariously fail to get into the house or slip and fall or get hit with a bowling ball or whatever? Like we're meant to hate the burglars and we want them to succeed in this. And the kid hits them with pool balls and sets them on fire. These parents should be dead. So it's a giant failure right there. It completely misunderstands what the movie is trying to accomplish. And then oh, when it's all said and done, and this is a third, a third issue with the movie. And if you can't tell, I really hated this movie. It's all a misunderstanding in the end of the movie. Uh, the resolution sucks. I absolutely despise movies that basically follow the track of an episode of a sitcom storyline. You know, like... Most episodes of Friends are predicted on the or predicated, excuse me, on the smallest misunderstanding that makes the show last 21 minutes on syndicated television. It makes a pretty good episode of television, but it's still kind of frustrating when like just you're like just talk to each other and like this could be resolved this issue, but no one talks to each other. Um, and it makes a horrible hour and a half movie, which is what this movie does. So the parents think Max stole this doll, right? So they have to attempt to break into the house once before the big break-in set piece. And they talk about finding the, quote, 
ugly little boy to sell on eBay for money. They don't call it a doll. And Max overhears this and thinks now, rationally, that they want to steal him and sell him on eBay. That makes perfect sense, right? No. For a kid who comes off as a know-it-all British kid, he's very he's very arrogant. He's a very ignorant guy. And again, you kind of hate him for it. And also, like, not once could these parents call the doll a doll and not an ugly boy. Like, they reference it multiple times, and he still overhears them. And it's like, they're trying to steal me and sell me online. If these parents just talked with the kid, the movie would be over in 20 minutes. And it should have been. But no, nobody says the clarifying words until we are well into the final 20 minutes of our 90-minute journey. And it's just so frustrating to watch. And then, turns out at the end... Turns out one of the cousins that are staying with Rob and Ellie Kemper's characters for Christmas, he just took it. One of the little kids just took it, had it the whole time, was just chilling with it. And very frustrating. And then, like, the resolution of the movie is that they finally, the parents get all beat up and whatnot. And they finally, finally say the words. They're like, give us the doll. And Max is like, what doll? He's British, by the way. And... They're like, oh, you don't have it? And he's like, oh, I thought you were trying to sell me. Oh, this has all been a misunderstanding. And then they go back home and because they're like, oh, you're home alone. Title of the movie. We, well, come on, come with us. We'll find out where your parents are and everything. So they're sitting down and then the, the little kid who has had the doll the whole time at the other family with them um, shows up with the doll. And they're like, oh, we got it. Yippee. And then at the end of the film, it's a year later and... Now Max is like chilling and hanging out with his family on Christmas. Like their families have merged and are like celebrating Christmas together. We find out that they sold the doll and they like repaired for the damages. They paid for the damages of the house. No way. Would I, well, first of all, I wouldn't have this kid in my home after the hell he put me through. He like almost killed me. And second of all, I'm paying for the damage that he inflicted on his own house, get out of here. Like, absolutely not. That is ridiculous. And I'm sitting here at at the end of the movie, which has felt like three hours, and I'm looking over to Davey, and I'm like, this is the worst movie I've ever seen. Like, none of these characters are likable. The likable ones were meant to not root for. And it's absurd. And the movie is just too self-aware, wink-winky, and stupid it like recognizes that home alone exists it, it it references it like buzz McAllister is in the movie who is buzz McAllister from the previous films obviously who plays kevin's older brother and he runs a security business ha 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 he mentions that his brother calls in every year and reports that there's a kid home alone and he needs help as a prank ha ha ha, ha funny we didn't get macaulay culkin in the movie so let's reference him um and there's like an homage to like those black and white bits that happened in the original where the on TV where the, the guys like keep the change, you filthy animal, like all that happens still. Um, but in this version, it's like a sci fi ish movie. And like the characters are commenting on like, oh, yeah, you know, this is like a remake of a classic. And, uh, you know, it's not very good as if to say that they're predecessing already. They're getting the cart in front of the horse to say, listen, we know this is a piece of crap. So that makes it okay. You can't throw these comments in to wink, wink at the audience and excuse it as a bad movie. I mean, 
That's not how this works. Callbacks and alluding to the first movie to remind people of how good that movie was does not give you a free pass to the movie we are watching, which is Home Sweet Home Alone. It's the issue with some remakes and sequels, frankly, which which brings me to a larger point, is that nostalgia does not a good movie make. This has basically been Disney's model for the past, I don't know, decade, and it's it's frustrating. You know, from a studio that was a trailblazer for, I don't know, 80 years has altogether just decided to go for cash grabs in order to fund other projects. And it's a formula that's frustrating, but it's successful, right? We kind of talked about about this on the Disney live action episode that Jackson and I did, but we get these stories that provide absolutely nothing except the ability to give Disney a blank check to make more creative movies and fund creative projects. Now, is that Disney's fault? Or is that the generation of movie going that has been created by, say, the streaming, the streaming rise or, or, or the, the, the need for sequels and remakes and how they make money? You know, the disconnect between what sells and what makes a great story is seems to be greater than ever. And all they're doing, Disney, is replicating and repackaging the stories of our youth and of our parents' youth. And they're just putting it right back in our faces. Now, on one hand, it's creating this shared experience and story for adults to relate to greater to take their kids to. Like, if there are any adults out there sitting down with their kids to watch Home Sweet Home Alone on Christmas, um, I guess that's a greater experience than watching it alone, like Davey and I did. I, I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, and that's, that's fine. Like if, if people want to relive the same stories over and over again, power to you. If you want to watch the Lion King and then watch 2019's the Lion King and watch the exact same movie, just a little prettier and definitely used more money to make. That's fine. Power to you. But me, and hopefully I speak for many of the listeners here. Like I want to see new stories so badly. Like I don't, go to see a shot-for-shot remake of The Lion King when I can go see something that I've never seen before. And don't get me wrong, like, I'm not above any of this. Like, I went to see the live-action Lion King. I thought it was actually pretty good. But it is the same story that we've seen before, and that's just pure nostalgia and not great storytelling. But it's a proven formula now. Like, it makes money. If it reminds you of a great movie you have seen before, name recognition gets you in the door. And that's what Disney has been doing for the past like decade or so. And the best those movies can be most of the time, in my opinion, is as good as the original or the inspiration source. And if it's not as good, it's going to be worse. And is that what we want as a, as a viewer, as someone who goes and pays money to go see these movies in the theaters or pays to have a subscription to any of these streaming services? It's what they want as a seller and a packager of goods right? They take an existing formula that worked 30 years ago and they go, let's attempt to tweak it ever so slightly to make it a little different. And I should say that there are successful remakes and sequels. When you remake a movie, you remake it to correct injustices that were in the original that make it troublesome or, or problematic in, in some ways. Like, we remake movies in case they have racist tones in the original or, or they're very misogynistic or they're just completely whitewashed, which is what OG Disney is, is 
is uh, is responsible for. Like Dumbo, there's a lot of racist imagery in Dumbo. Um, so we remake these movies to correct some injustices, but I don't think there's anything wrong with Home Alone. So I don't see why we have remade this movie just to just to get a little a little more off the bottom line. And as I said, I so badly would love to see a successful revolutionary groundbreaking movie stay as it is without any baggage or last ditch breath efforts to scrape the bottom of the well to get that last drop of water out of a beloved franchise or even a standalone movie. And all of that said to say that I believe Disney knows this is a piece of crap that they have put on Disney plus. They're not advertising it at all. It's not even on the home page of Disney plus when you go in they know they have regurgitated crap and thrown it straight onto a streaming service to bury it. But they don't care. It's not in theaters, so they won't lose a dime. They'll just write it off as somehow getting more Disney Plus subscribers by lumping it in with all of these Disney Plus Day announcements and equating that success to it if they get any more subscribers. I think what Home Sweet Home Alone has reminded me of which is why this rant has turned into something even greater than just the movie, is that we now live in a quantity versus quality time when it comes to movies and TV. And I have forgotten this. I had forgotten that we are because I've been going back to the theaters after not being able to go to the theaters for a year and seeing these original stories and these movies that we've desperately been waiting for for a year. And I can tell that we're in the quantity versus quality time again because we call movies and TV on streaming services content, right? We talk about content wars all the time and creating content for us consumers to, to watch and view. And streaming services are great. Don't get me wrong. I'm not ra- railing the streaming services. I love them. Like I, HBO Max has some great movies that I love that I've never seen. They have old classic movies that I love to watch. But on one hand... They're towing a fine line, and they always have. They can make stunning movies like Marriage Story or, or Roma in Netflix's case, but for every Marriage Story or Roma, you know, you have The Kissing Booth 3 or The Princess Switch 3. There's just more of it now. There's more of this just crap and fodder that gets in the way of the good stuff, and the average, quote, consumer which is what we are to these people now is is being tested. We're being tested because they're no longer we're no longer viewers that watch movies. We're consumers that want to watch content. We grab content. Art is content now when it comes to streaming. It's been watered down. And a bunch of people have said this. Filmmakers have said this that like they hate Netflix because of its content and the way they they package movies and it's just something to to sell it, to get you to subscribe more. So really, this home sweet home alone rant led me down the rabbit hole, as you can tell, to really what I believe is wrong with movies today. And gosh, I can't believe that <laughs> this has turned into just a, me on a soapbox saying, movies ain't what they used to be. That's not true. We still are getting great movies that we've we've received over the past like 40 years. We're still getting great movies. They're just harder to find and not a lot of people are going to see them 
because we get Frozen 2 or John Wick 4 or Avatars 2, 3, 4, and 5. Like, we're not getting new things. Like, we're getting new things, but they're not new, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, it's the same characters and same story we know. We're just entering the world again and doing the same, which is all, again, which is fine. I want to make that perfectly clear. And I'll get to that a little bit more in a minute, but... I just long for original stories. You know, I don't want to come off as a whistleblower on filmmakers making crap. I, because that's always happened and always will happen. You know, for all the good, there's always going to be bad. But I just wanted to take this opportunity to remind everyone that original stories are hard to come by nowadays. And we should strive to more than that, to more than what we are being given. And again, don't get me wrong, some of these sequels and remakes are great. The quote legacy sequels, which were a thing, started in like 2015-ish or really popped off are quite enjoyable. Like, I enjoy The Force Awakens, even though it's pretty much a, again, it's a paint by numbers of the of A New Hope. It's pretty much the same movie, just different characters, different scenarios, slightly tweaked. And I love The Last Jedi, for what it's worth. I know a lot of people hate The Last Jedi, but I thought that movie was doing something different. And it expanded the world and the the universe of the Force and Jedi and Star Wars. I really enjoyed it. Um, Around the same time, you know, Creed came out. Creed was a great way to continue the legacy of Rocky and while focusing on a new protagonist. You know, like Home Sweet Home Alone is not Creed. It's not Force Awakens. It's not even Blade Runner 2049. It's a waste of everyone's time, money, and resources. There's... No reason to touch this or just to make a crap, crap, crap movie. Um, so I want to end well with two things. First of all, I want to say that there are a lot of great original stories out there, guys. And I want to prove just where we are in terms of like box office and what sells. But I want to read you 2019 box office numbers, okay? And I'm going to read the top 20 off. I'm just going to go right through. And I want you to tell me, well, you're not going to tell me, but I'm going to tell you what we're noticing here. So it goes, number one, Avengers Endgame. Number two, The Lion King. Number three, Toy Story 4. Number four, Frozen 2. Number five, Captain Marvel. Number six, Rise of Skywalker. Seven, Spider-Man Far From Home. Eight, Aladdin. Nine, Joker. Ten, It Chapter 2. Eleven, Jumanji The Next Level. Twelve, Us. Thirteen, Hobbs and Shaw. Fourteen, John Wick. Three. Fifteen, How to Train Your Dragon. Three. Sixteen, The Secret Life of Pets. Two. Seventeen, Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Eighteen, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Shazam. Nineteen and twenty, Aquaman. Now, this is the top twenty grossing movies of of twenty nineteen worldwide. Two of the two of these are original stories, not based on any previous film or IP or universe of movies. That's it. And the rest are sequels, remakes, stories that continue a larger story that's been going on for, for, for decades, like MCU. And with the exception of Us and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, those are the only two original stories here. And now, let me read the 1990 box office, which is the year Home Alone, the original, was released. Here are the top 20 box office movies of 1990 number one ghost number two pretty woman number three home alone number four teenage mutant ninja turtles number five the hunt for red october number six total recall number seven die hard two 
Number eight, Driving Miss Daisy. Number nine, Dick Tracy. Number 10, Back to the Future Part 3. 11, Presumed Innocent. 12, Days of Thunder. 13, Another 48 Hours. 14, Bird on a Wire. 15, Born on the Fourth of July. 16, Flatliners. 17, Dances with Wolves. 18, Problem Child. 19, Arachnophobia. And 20, Three Men and a Little Lady. Those are the top 20. There are 16 original stories there. And granted, you're always going to have sequels, right? Like Die Hard 2, um, Another 48 Hours, uh, Three Men and a Little Lady. All these are sequels. And the sequels are still there, right? But And those sequels are great. Like Sequels are great to continue stories that we need to see, that we want to see. But we need more original stories, and I, I so long for for new stories. Now you've probably not even heard of half of those, and it's probably not because we're too busy getting excited for a Blade Runner TV series, you know, or a Lord of the Rings TV series, or a whole new Star Wars trilogy, or Phase Four of the MCU, or the rebirth of the DC universe as we try to launch that again, and. And we're all wondering who the next James Bond is going to be. All of this we take our time up with. And we lose focus of great movies that are, that are coming out. And it's because of just this, this franchise remake, reboot culture that we're in. And now, I want to be clear. I'm not saying I'm above any of this, right? I, I'm, I'm hyped for all of that stuff that's, that's coming. Like, I'm hyped for the MCU. I'm hyped for the... The DC stuff, I'm hyped for the next James Bond. I'm excited for all of it. And I'll podcast my little heart out with Jackson on all of it. Because that's what we do. And I'm just like everyone else. I'm excited for all of this stuff. But I would love to live in a world where people are just as excited for Spider-Man No Way Home as they are for the power of the dog. And the fact that some of you are Googling power of the dog right now is my point exactly. But here at RCR... We will uplift all art, you know, even though I don't consider home sweet home alone art. I think it's a waste of everyone's time. I'll still uplift it or destroy it as I've done here. But, you know, we're going to uplift Ghostbusters Afterlife as much as we will uplift King Richard or Tick, Tick, Boom. You know, like Ghostbusters Afterlife, you know, breathing energy into an old beloved franchise could be the same story we have here with home sweet home alone. But you know what? I'm still going to watch it, you know, and I'm part of the problem and I'm part of the answer too. I'm part of the solution. Like I am the problem and I recognize it, but I still watch it. We're in quite a predicament here and a conundrum because there's no stopping it. But I just believe we should be exposed to more challenging stories, stories that open our minds to new ideas. while at the same time, we can turn off our minds and watch things blow up for two and a half hours. We can do both and we deserve both. Equally, though, we deserve more than Home Sweet Home Alone. So in summary, Home Sweet Home Alone is the darkest and abysmal side of today's Hollywood. But it's not the majority, I'm happy to say. There is a lot of crap out there. We have to sift through the crap and get to the good stuff, which is what we're going to be doing for a long time now with streaming services who definitely just put out more and more stuff just to have more stuff on their streaming services. That's what they do. That's what they're going to do. A lot of it's going to be bad, but some of it is going to be good and original. And that is what I'm excited for. But really, at the end of the day, 
go see whatever you want. You know, whatever makes you happy and makes you feel good, go see that. If you love Frozen 2 and you choose to see that over Last Night in Soho, that's fine. If that's all the power to you, I don't want to denigrate anyone for loving what they love. That is your prerogative. And I'm just here to be one of those people and tell you what I love, which is original stories, and I also love the franchise stuff. And we're in quite a situation, and this rant has really, if it's if it's told you anything, it should be don't watch Home Sweet Home Alone or watch it for the giggles and then text me or call me about how much you hated it or loved it. I love to talk about what people loved that I might have missed in a movie. I don't think I missed what was good about this movie because there was not a lot. So at the end of the day, be excited for what you want to be excited for. Watch what you want to watch. But, you know, just just be aware that there's brighter stuff you can watch that that challenges you as a viewer and and really makes you see something you haven't seen before. It's out there. You just got to go find it. And don't go see Home Sweet home alone so i want to just quickly i will give you list is life this week the list is an absolute good the list is life because i know you guys are probably wondering carter you hated this movie so much where does home sweet home alone sit on your rankings i'm proud to say that out of 2175 movies i have seen a few movies that are worse than home sweet home alone so home sweet home alone sits at 2000 124. It's a stinker. Uh, I put it right below Planes, which, funnily enough, is another movie Davey and I watched together. You're noticing a theme here. And then it's right above Artemis Fowl, which, again, is a movie I watched with Davey. So that should be telling to, to the kind of stuff that Davey puts you through. And we love him to death for it. But it gives me a lot to talk about on a podcast for 30 minutes or so. So with that said... I would like to encourage you, and I'll have what she's having this week. I'll have what she's having. I'd like to encourage you this week to get a nice balance of familiar and unfamiliar. Go see Ghostbusters Afterlife, but, you know, also go see House of Gucci, you know? Sink your teeth into the new Hawkeye show, sure, which is out now, but also devote some time to go watch Licorice Pizza next week. Like, that's going to be sick. Like, that's a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Like... Expand your horizons a little. It's okay. It's okay to like what you like, but try something new. Try something else. And hopefully here at the Rough Cut Retrospective, you know, we're guiding you to new experiences of movies and television watching while also bolstering the exciting stuff we're getting in familiar spaces like in the MCU. Like we're all excited for all that. And we're also denigrating disappointing directions for familiar spaces like Home Sweet Home Alone. So go watch Home Alone and... Have a happy Thanksgiving, everyone. I hope that it, this weekend will be lovely for you. And don't spend it watching Home Sweet Home Alone with the family, please. Um, next week, I'll be back with Jackson. Um, if you've made it through the, this whole episode, thank you. Uh, this was something different we were doing this week. Uh, just wanted to put something out for you guys. Um, so thank you. Thank you for listening. Um, we love you very much on behalf of Jackson and I. We're very thankful for all of you, mostly, for listening to this podcast. And thank you for listening to my rant. Um, this is what goes on in my head. So I'm putting it here so I'll never have to to think about it again. This is great. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Gobble, gobble. Be safe out there. Love you. In case I don't see you. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night.